read from the Dhammapada, the chapter 24, called Desire. Just the first few lines. If you sleep, desire grows in you like a vine in the forest. Like a monkey in the forest, you jump from tree to tree, never finding the fruit. From life to life, never finding peace. Their sun is bright, and it's wonderfully cool this morning. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> the milkweed plants by the walkway and out back are attracting. What kind of butterflies are they? Monarch. Monarch butterflies. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> and so many of you have uh, made it here this morning when there could be so many other things to do. Yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo! <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the temple. Good morning, Haji Sunim. There's a, a word in our tradition, tradition that has different names according to where it came from. Wadu, koan, vigil. It um, usually represents a situation where you have to go beyond thinking about it to answer. You have to go to a place within yourself that's actually more trustworthy than thinking about it. Yeah. So as we practice our meditation, as we cultivate ourselves, we're trying to find ultimately, who am I? What is this life all about? And not only those questions, but in each one of our lives, there's a situation, maybe many, that it seems unsolvable. What should I do? What can I do? And so, this isn't new. This is a really old question and situation. And so over the millenniums, people have turned to spiritual practice of many sorts. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> I gotta get better at that. <laughs> so, This week's um, Dhammapada reading is just all about, you know, trying to stay still instead of going all over the place. You know? And I thought of it when I was with my uh, older grandchildren this summer. Um, they really are all over the place all the time. <laughs> and I think that's natural for children, especially in the summertime. But I wondered if, you know, if they ever would just you know, stay quiet for a minute <laughs> and still. And so it happened that I was talking with their mother, my daughter, 
And instead of saying, what are you doing about your kids? <laughs> that never gets you anywhere. <laughs> but I asked the question to her, you know, um, honey, you know, what's your cutting edge with the kids right now? And how are, you, how are you working with that? What do you think? And she said, she thought for a little bit. There have been lots of cutting edges, I think, that we've talked about over the years. And um, she said, well, every time they, they initiated giving allowance to the kids for so much work done each week, and, she's, and they get a dollar or something, and then she said, the problem is that every time they get the dollar, they go to the store and buy a toy. And they have that toy for, it seems, five minutes, and they're tired of it. And they want to get their allowance again so they can go and get the next toy. And it just goes on, and it, she said, it drives me crazy. I was there when they did it once, you know, and they just begged and begged me to go to the store because they cannot go to the store by themselves yet. And then, you know, my grandson bought this rubber duck, little yellow rubber duck, and he, he's had a lot of them in his life, but that was the only thing he could get for a dollar in the store. He <laughs> <laughs> get it. And on the way back, they raced back from the store ahead of me, and on the way back, I found the, the rubber duck by the sidewalk. <laughs> and I was pissed off. <laughs> this, is a, this is crazy, you know, this thing going on. Well, actually, it's just a metaphor in a certain sense for a lot of things that even we as adults get into over and over again, you know? So good to see you all the way from Washington, yeah. Yeah. D.C. Yeah. I saw your car, so I knew you must be here. <laughs> yeah. So I found a really beautiful little anecdote, and I'd like to. Um, share it with you. And it's about, um, let me see, I, Rainer Maria Rilke, you know, the German poet, and August Rodin, the famous sculptor, you know, the one who did the thinker? Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's about them. So apparently uh, Rilke, um, was once a, an apprentice of Rodin, Rodin. And Rodin's first, so here are two artists. I consider us all artists. We're in a process of sculpting our lives, or painting them, or dancing them, or however we are. And um, so, they were working together, and the first assignment that the great sculptor gave to Rilke was, he said, go, as part of his training, go to the art museum and sit in front of one piece, a 
of art for a whole day. No doing anything else. And then, he said, go to the zoo and sit in front of one animal for the whole day. No doing anything else. And I So what do you think of that? It's kind of the opposite of getting a rubber duck and throwing it down within two minutes. Yeah. So what, what's that about? Omeo, what do you think? I don't know. You put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> but those are good answers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anybody else have some idea of what that Rodan practice was about? Training your mind to be able to focus on something for longer than just a second and throw up your production. Uh-huh. Could be that, for sure. Studying every possible aspect of whatever you're looking at. Yeah, really getting the deeply... Yeah, so you're missing cranny every single, you know, brushstroke on the painting or whatever. Yeah. After a while, you're That too. Anything else that comes to you? Appreciation. Appreciation. Uh, so you think in that day there'd be some kind of appreciation that would come up. In fact, um, Rilke wrote the most beautiful poem about the statue that he had chosen to look at for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, breaking the cycle of avoiding boredom by sitting in the discomfort of it. Good point. Good point. Breaking the cycle of avoiding boring. Boredom. Boredom. Well, yeah. We were just talking <laughs> about that at breakfast today. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's um, it's. I think it's the basic practice that we're learning, and this just here with the various things that we do, with our meditation, with our chanting, with our prostrations, with our even keeping silence for a period of time, for sometimes the over and over and over again rhythm of work practice, sweeping the floor, cleaning the kitchen, stuffing a cushion. It just seems to be, this is such a boring life in a certain sense, but it it's called going beyond boring to what some of the other people talked about when you have to just stay and look carefully. In fact, in um, the Tibetan uh, Buddhist tradition, there is this practice of going actually for months to like a mountainside to look over a mountain range every day to do that in the meditation practice and all day. You know, we've started a mini version of that because in the mornings, instead of staying in for practice, we go up to Burns Park. And there's a big space in the middle of the park and trees around and you can see the sky. And it's a whole different thing. Most of us could stay there for much longer than the half hour that we designate. You know, Because there is a, a, there's a whole thing that happens when we stay still. There's, um, I would say, it's something like a transmission that happens. 
transmission when we can be still. The, um, I've told some of you this story that I think is applicable in many situations, but this is just a cute story. You know, when you go away for five weeks and hang out with your grandchildren, you have lots of stories. And this one is about Azure, who's the second youngest, two, just turned two. And he's a very volatile young person. And he responds best to the boredom of routine. You know, that he knows what he's doing and it keeps going on and on. And whenever the adults feel like they want to change from the routine, he gets volatile. So let me tell you about one of the routines and what happened. When I was there, I would see his dad, who would be the wake-up person in the morning for him, because he gets up about six. And he would do the routine, and then it would be time to take the dog, Echo, out. And so as you notice the whole routine, you go to the hook where the harness is, and then there's two leashes, and you clip them on. He knows how to do that. And then he gets his coat on. <coughs> Usually it's been cold weather, and his dad does too. And they go out the door, walking Echo, and one with uh, one leash, and the other on the other side, the dog with the other leash. And I watched one day, and there was Cesar, his dad. And he put his hand in his pocket as he was walking. So did Azure. So the two of them, this is this little tight here. They're both walking the dog with one hand in the pocket. So then, a couple of weeks later, it's my turn. I get the early morning um, shift because um, the baby's been born, and the parents have been all up all night with the baby. And so I get Azure in his room, and he does a kind of little meditation. Uh, he's quite quiet at the beginning. I think it's when he has his morning poop, and he's sitting on the bed. And then we do this, and we do that, and he almost leads me in everything that has to be done. Feeding the dog, you know, um, going to the cupboard because he likes to put the beans in the coffee thing and press the zzzz, you know. So that's his job. And he sort of leads me around, so I do all of those things. And then it gets to the point where we take Echo out. And he does all the things with the harness. He just does them. And then I have a leash, and he has a leash. And he puts his hand in his pocket. And I put my hand in my pocket. So there's a amazing, you know, oh, that's cute. But, and I think it is. But it, there's also something very subtle that has happened, as I even described the whole routine. And actually, when we go around our lives, that very kind of transmission is taking place. Every moment. So, when Wilkie keeps looking at the same thing, there's some kind of a transmission that's happening. Especially
especially if he has to keep at it and open. And when he goes to the zoo, whichever animal he's looking at, it would be a kind of transmission too. That we say, and there's this lovely book about Zen koans, it's called Entangling Vines. And that we in our lives are always weaving and entangling together. And that's what makes us who we are. And in our spiritual practice, it's an opening of a, a state of consciousness where we take things in an invisible way. Not, I will memorize this, but there's a whole invisible process that goes on. And you may know about it. I could say to you, how's your meditation going? Are you noticing anything? And a lot of times people say, no, I'm worse than when I started. <laughs> and then you can say, talk to the person's wife or husband, who says, I notice a difference, and would you please get out the door to the temple? <laughs> or go do your meditation, or whatever it is. Because that is a kind of a conscious way to find out who we are and what this life is about. No, an unconscious way. So that we can be as receptive to then respond in our lives more beautifully. I'd like to share with you um, some enlightenment verses from this book. And this was after, this is what happened to inspire this enlightening verse. The, a person, several centuries ago, was sweeping the yard. And there was a stone that got swept. And it flew up in the air and hit the trunk or the, of a bamboo, the reed of a bamboo tree, quite a big one. And when the rock hit that trunk, it went talk, talk. You can imagine, or maybe talk would not be how you would put it, but talk. And because there was a real sense of being fully present in that sweeping and with that talk, the sweeper awakened, got really deep inside. And then there was a poem that was written lots of times when people wake up, they try to capture the awakening with words. Okay, so, a single talk, all prior knowledge forgotten. This is not the result of practice. Daily activity, proclaim the way. No more falling into passive stillness. Wherever I go, I leave no trace. In all situations, my actions are free. Everywhere, masters of the way speak as the object of the highest function. So I think a lot of times we think there's some special Thing. But here it is, daily activity proclaim the way. And how
how often do we uh, complain about our daily activities? Pretty often. So I have a story about a donkey. Ready? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. This is a story that where um, a, this farmer finds his donkey has fallen into an old wall, well, and is wailing at the bottom of the wall, well. <laughs> and um, he can't figure any way to get him out at all. And so he thinks about it, thinks about it. Well, this donkey's pretty old. I might as well just fill in the wall and he can get by. So he gets some of his farmer friends and he, um, they all get shoveled. And uh, the donkey's kind of expectant, he figures, Oh, there's all these people, they're going to get me out. But then they start to throw dirt on him. So he begins to wail again, you know, wailing and wailing, and then he stops. And it's an interesting story because every time someone throws a shovel full of dirt, he shakes it off of him and steps on top of the dirt. And it comes and he shakes it off of him. And they get into it, everybody does, until he's at the top of the well and off he goes. <laughs> Isn't that a neat story? You know, you get the, all the dirt in your life and you think, oh, drat, poor me, victim. <laughs> but in fact, we are donkeys when we think like that. But being good donkeys, we figure out how do we work. How do we transform? How can we, just with our, okay, be a little still. Let's not move, just for this moment. It makes just that. We don't always have to do a whole day, so I'd like to recommend that you try. The, um, this chanting and recitation book has what's called the five remembrances. So could you just please compose yourself and listen to them? These help us to give from some perspective as you know we get the dirt thrown. I am of the nature to grow old. There's no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health. There's no way to escape having ill health. I am of the nature to die. There's no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There's no way to escape being separated from them. I inherit the results of my actions in body, speech, and mind. My actions 
are the ground on which I stand. Yesterday I received a notice that I need to go for my annual mammogram. And sometimes I feel pretty quirky with my health. So it spurs me to want to make the best of each moment. Perhaps you have a lot more time than I do, but you never know. So it's really important to choose, perhaps to stay a little more still, and really absorb what happens. Seems simple, but it can be pretty challenging because of all the habitual patterns and a culture with to-do lists. Succeed, 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 succeed. A good shit detector told us that. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough said. 